You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. We are here to discuss Memento. I have this condition. A condition? It's my memory. Amnesia. No, 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 no. It's different from that. What? Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. Next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation. What's the last thing that you do remember? My wife. That's sweet. Dying. This came out in 2001. It is directed by Christopher Nolan. It stars Guy Pierce, Carrie Ann Moss, Joe Pantoliano, otherwise known as Joey Pants, Mark Boone Jr., Georgia Fox, Stephen Tobolowski, Larry Holden, and Harriet Sansom Harris. The genre would be mystery thriller, Memento. This has always been one of those very personal films for me that I just had to see again and again in theaters. It actually turned 20 just a few months ago, which is when it first premiered in New York City, and I actually had the privilege of seeing it at the legendary Angelica Film Center on Houston Street in Lower Manhattan when it did premiere, which I'm happy to say, having looked it up, is still in business post-pandemic. Always happy to hear that. The film premiered at Sundance a few months prior in 2001 to rave reviews, and reviews started popping up online referring to director Chris Nolan as the next Tarantino, which, to be fair, felt like an annual tradition by that point. It was just his turn that year. But needless to say, I was pretty jacked to see this, and it lived up to my expectations, to the point where over the next several months as the release expanded to Northern Virginia, where I lived at the time, I felt the need to drag every friend and or family member to see it. I just could not get enough of this movie, and it was fun to discuss it with other folks, sometimes even over drinks. It's just that kind of movie, with a few clearly drawn characters, including a very sympathetic protagonist, Lenny. And of course, a great hook of a premise, as we recall events which occurred to Lenny backwards, which rewards multiple viewings. Lenny has lost the ability to create new memories, resulting from a brutal incident, which also resulted in a stranger murdering his wife. And since this incident, he has been on a mission to find her killer. But Lenny cannot create new memories, so he takes Polaroids, he writes notes, and even has tattoos made of key facts all over his torso to keep him up to speed. Now listen, on paper, this sort of central character is just wild, and it can create all kinds of pitfalls to tell a cohesive story. But fortunately, as written by Nolan's brother Jonah, the premise is kept simple, and this character is played by Guy Pearce, who truly gives a standout performance, delving into all aspects of such a confused person, including the very absurdity of the central premise. Of course, folks can take advantage of him, and Lenny knows that, but the only thing that can create some kind of normalcy for him is that he has no choice but to trust the very people he surrounds himself with. His very survival depends on having strong enough judgment to choose the right people and to write the right things down, and therein lies the rub. At the time of release, Guy Pierce had really made a name for himself already playing Ed Exley, in L.A. Confidential, which just came out a few years earlier. This wasn't an easy character, as Exley was righteous, smug, sympathetic, intelligent, and downright infuriating at times. And Pierce brings that same strange brew of characteristics to this one, but with one key addition, utter confusion. Lenny, 
You can't trust a man's life to your little notes and pictures. Why not? Because your notes could be unreliable. Memory's unreliable. Ah, oh, please. No, 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 really. No, Memory's I... not perfect. It's not even that good. Ask the police. Eyewitness testimony is unreliable. That's... The cops don't catch a killer by sitting around remembering stuff. Right. They, they collect facts. That's not what I'm saying. They make notes and they draw conclusions. Facts. It's a real tightrope as a performance, as we can't help but root for him. Even as we know that there's no way that Lenny can follow this path to actual closure for what's happened to him. And this situation is not helped by two people who Lenny chooses to build relationships with. And that includes Joey Pants as Teddy and Carrie Ann Moss as Natalie. Their performances are equally impressive, as you could see them working to manipulate Lenny, but in different ways depending on the circumstance. Do you even know why you're here? Unfinished business. Lenny, let me inform you. Your business here is very much finished. You're still here because of Natalie. Who's Natalie? Schmuck, whose house do you think you just walked out of? Oh, that's right. Take a look at your pictures. I bet you got one of her. Oh, nice shot, Leibowitz. You'll want to make a note. You can't trust her. Oh, yeah? Why's that? Because by now, she's taking a look at this suit and the car, and she's starting to figure out ways of turning the situation to her advantage. And here's the hook of the movie. Each circumstance is broken up effectively into roughly five-minute sequences involving these characters, all told backwards in order from Lenny's point of view. Each of these sequences are broken up with an effective framing device of forward-moving scenes of Lenny telling his story to somebody, we don't know who that is, over the phone, and it's in black and white, eventually giving us more context to the portion of the story that's being told backwards. Now, if you haven't seen this, that sounds pretty confusing, right? I could get that. Well, that's where Nolan comes in, Chris Nolan. In the 20 years since Memento, Nolan has become a brand unto himself. He's achieved box office success, critical acclaim, and a hyper-devoted fan base of people who are affectionately called Nolanites for precisely generally being able to make premises like this really work. With canny editing from Dodie Dorn, who sadly would only work with Nolan only one more time, and crisp, distinctive cinematography from Wally Pfister, and he would be Nolan's DP for every movie through The Dark Knight Rises, Nolan created a highly entertaining, yet at times dizzying, but in a good way, neo-noir thriller with one main theme driving its narrative, and a powerful theme at that, overcoming grief. Memento is all about grief at the end of the day. How Lenny relentlessly tries to let go of his loss while seeking revenge for it at the same time, resulting in an unsustainable, continuous loop of circumstances that he just can't break out of. And while Nolan is canny enough to allow us to have some fun with this premise— Lenny's exchanges with the hotel desk clerk, wittily played by Mark Boone Jr., they provide some earned comic relief throughout. This was your room, but now you're in 304. When was I in here? Last week. But then I rented you another room on top of it. Why? Business is slow. I mean, I, I, I told my boss about uh, your condition and stuff, and he said try and rent him another room. So how many rooms am I checked into in this shit hall? Just two. So far. Well... At least you're being honest about ripping me off. But he never takes his eye off the prize of showing us the tragedy of Lenny's life. And the movie never wears out its welcome. Yep, this film tops out at just under two hours. The sound mix is always intelligible, and the only expository dialogue comes organically as a result of Lenny's condition. So you could say that this film demonstrates all of Nolan's strengths as a filmmaker, and yet none of his weaknesses. <laughs> Memento holds up damn well, and it still remains one of Nolan's best films. I would probably put it right up there behind maybe Inception and Batman Begins. It also remains a story worthy of being continuously revisited, just like its protagonist.
And that brings us to the categories. The first category is Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. This film actually has a lovely haunting score by David Julian, though it blends in well with most of the films, so you kind of barely notice it, which can actually be a strength for a good score. Not every score has to call attention to themselves or be hummable. But this award goes to Something in the Air by the late, great David Bowie, a song that plays over the end credits. It also kicks off the end of the film as the screen fades to black in kind of an offbeat way. The song at first sounds chipper, but then gets darker as it goes. It's very typical of late career Bowie as he just went further and further from giving us conventional pop songs. And it caps off the film perfectly. Let's That brings us to the next category, Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Yeah, I'm going to veer a little bit with this category because it's not like Wasted Talent. Everybody who's involved with this film is utilized perfectly. No, this is more like Wasted Oscar. Seriously. This is a small-scale film with some very talented folks, and none of them were wasted in the slightest. However, Memento was also one of the buzziest films of 2001, also probably one of the best, and it was nominated for two Oscars, only to take home none. Well, okay, look, that's going to happen with smaller films. It happens every year, but here's the kicker. Often when a smaller film like this really makes its mark, the best it can hope for as a consolation prize is a Best Screenplay Oscar. And this has been a long-running tradition going back through the 90s with the Oscars. Films like Pulp Fiction, The Usual Suspects, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Black Klansman, Lady Bird, and even most recently, just this year, Promising Young Women. All of these films, they were kind of small, but they all won the Best Screenplay Oscar, at least for their innovations. But did that happen for Memento? Nope. It lost its Best Original Screenplay Oscar to Gosford Park. Yeah. Gosford Park was a solidly entertaining Robert Altman film, which basically, in retrospect, it was kind of a more biting version of Downton Abbey. And this was, it wasn't even as good as Downton Abbey. 20 years later, is anyone still talking about Gosford Park? No. Has it had the legs of Memento? Not at all. That's my idea of a wasted Oscar. And now, the next category, the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes the movie. If you're going to sell this movie, this is what you show somebody to sell it to them. For such an episodically structured film where the best payoffs really come from later scenes that are paying off earlier ones, this is kind of a tricky category. It's tricky to find a trailer moment. But a few clever moments stand out. And my personal favorite would be the ending of a high-speed chase where Lenny busts into the motel room of someone who's trying to kill him. He's sitting in the bathroom out of breath, and he finds himself a weapon that he can use when that killer arrives. He wants to get the jump on him. He picks up the weapon. It's a wine bottle. He sits on the counter in that bathroom holding the bottle and he's waiting and then flash. It's a new memory. He's suddenly sitting there in a daze wondering how he got there and he stares at the bottle and his first reaction is to say, well, I don't feel drunk. Hmm, I don't feel drunk. And then just clueless about where he is or why he's there, Lenny just preps himself to take a shower to apparently sober himself up not realizing that this person who tried to kill him is going to be there soon. It's funny and it's tragic at the same time. That's your trailer moment. That brings us to the MVP, the final category. 
The MVP is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. And despite the very game casts, this is Nolan's movie, Chris Nolan's movie at the end of the day. It was certainly there in his brother's screenplay, but he took what could have come off as a gimmicky concept and he really breathed life into it to make this a satisfying little thriller with some real punch. Skeptics of this film have always said since its release that the film wouldn't be nearly as interesting without the backward structure. And my answer to that is, so what? <laughs> Honestly, have we seen that many, if any, notable good films since this film came out that have that kind of structure? I can count maybe one, maybe two even, on my hand that really pulled this off. One film that comes to mind is the deeply disturbing French film Irreversible from the very controversial French director Gaspar Noe. It came out a few years after Memento and it had this backward structure. And it's a strong movie, for sure. But trust me here, watch it or don't because it is very disturbing. It would be very difficult to categorize that film alongside Memento at the end of the day. But it's still a pretty unusual concept and pretty hard to pull off. Whatever gimmick you want to ascribe to a film like this, it still comes down to the execution. And Christopher Nolan directed a brilliant film, which helped kickstart a relatively brilliant career. My overall rating for Memento would be five stars out of five. I love this film. I consider it a modern classic. And if you haven't seen it, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's available to rent or buy on all streaming platforms. And if you haven't seen it, by all means, see it. And that ends another momentous review. Please subscribe to Living for the Cinema podcast and also visit our Facebook page. Join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.